This is Michelle, your Chief Hope Builder. If you're here, it's because you have a loved one in addiction and you want to find hope. Well, you're in the right place. We will help you go from havoc to hope. Follow along with us for 30 days in the book, Unhackable Moms of Addicted Loved Ones. This is a series. Each episode will include an interview with one of the moms who helped write the book. You'll hear parts of their stories and how they found peace and calm in their lives. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. The link to buy the book and to join our tribe are in the show notes. Let's get started. Thanks for joining. Hi, it's Michelle, and I have Lucretia Renee with me. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. It's cold here. I have my hat on. You look adorable. Wish I could wear hats. Um, We are on day 17, Open Your Eyes. And um, here's the quote from the beginning. When you begin to become conscious, more aware, when your eyes begin to open, the first thing you see is how deluded you are and how much you're holding onto that which makes you suffer. That is, in many ways, the most important step are you willing to be aware? And I can't say this person's name, but I'm going to give it a shot. Adyashante. Adyashante. Something like that. (laughs) But I mean, isn't that so true? Like sometimes we can look back at things in our life and be like, whoa, I really got through a lot then. And I didn't really think I was going through a lot at the time. Um, But in this day, we lean into our pain um, because um, on day 16, we were talking, we were assessing our pain, you know, and here we embrace it. And we say, um, we're going to, we're going to look at our pain and understand that and um, come to come to terms with how that is hacking our life. And um, anyway, so um, Napoleon Hill He was the author of Think and Grow Rich, said, our minds become magnetized with the dominant thoughts we hold in our minds. These magnets attract us to the forces, the people, and the circumstances of life, which harmonize with the nature of our dominating thoughts. So if that is true, we need to take control of our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So looking at the chaos in our lives keeps keeps us from seeing hope. And so in this day, it's so important to assess, you know, open our eyes and just really look at our lives and assess like, where am I getting hacked? Um, Dan Sullivan says your eyes can only see and our ears can only hear what our brain is looking for. So, and what are your thoughts on that on this day? Lucretia, do you have any? Um, sure, I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, we just have to take those thoughts captives, though, because yeah. you know um, those negative thoughts come in and they just run away with you. You know, and before you know it, you're down in a gutter or a ditch, and oh, woe is me, and a pity party. So, so you have to have positive thoughts. Um, but it is true what you what you focus on the most is where your energy goes. 
And so if you're always ruminating and always thinking about, you know, your addicted loved one or, you know, the, um, where they're at in their life, you you just stay in that little tornado, you know, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think of my, I think of my computer right now. And if somebody could see it, like I have so many files open. You know, because I'm I'm working on this for the grandkids. I'm working on this for somebody else. And then I have the laundry going. So I'm listening to um, the dryer, you know, because I don't want anything to get wrinkled, right? And then I have to think, hmm, have the dogs been let out? Is it time for them to go out? So especially moms, you know, and we have all this information overload, sensory overload. And um I just, I share a story of this. I, when we adopted Olivia from Russia, she was 28 months old and she had lived in an orphanage when we think she had probably lived in a padded playpen because she couldn't really walk. She was only 16 and a half pounds. And um, if things got too, like if her world was too overwhelming with smells and sounds and sight, like bright lights, she would flap her hands like this. I'm flapping my hands for those of you who are listening on a, on the <laughs> podcast. And she would get into this sensory overload. And um, I would know, oh, yeah, this is a little too much for her. Let's rein it in. You know, but for us, for moms, sometimes we don't have the objective view of somebody looking at us from up above and noticing how we're like, flapping around trying to, you know, and what are the thoughts that are dominating our, our goals when we're, when we have an addicted child, right? So share with me, Lucretia, like when Joshua was in a bad way, I know that, you know, you had some grandchildren through him that you were worried about and you were worried about him and, you know, there was just a lot going on. Um, when did you feel like you could look back and really realize how um, hacked you were with all of that that was going on? Well, it's like you said, uh, like on your computer, you have so many files open, you know, and, um, you know, when you finish that project and you close it out, you it's closed, Right. Well, at that time, it's like my computer, my brain had so many files open and that was running at the same time that I could not put those fires out. I could not finish, you know, except just what was the 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 most urgent. And so I kept running, you know, every day was like that. And uh, it until just recently, really looking back on those years, um, I was on overload in so many different areas, but you just keep going because children need to be taken care of, you know, and food has to be fixed and diapers have to be changed. And, you know, all of the things that us moms do, um, you know, it has to be taken care of. And so you're just on like pilot, you just, yeah. you just do, you just do. And then yeah. yourself gets put on the back burner. Right. 
So, um, yeah, but I, I know what you're talking about with that uh, sensory overload, because when Joshua got out of prison, um, I mean, he he got out with just a pair of pants and his white T-shirt that he had on. And his bag of all the things that he had when he went in there, and that was it, even the prison shoes, you know, so um, he wanted to go to Walmart to get you know underwear and t-shirts and real clothes right so we went in and after about 10 or 15 minutes he was flapping his arms you know <sighs> because he I, and I realized I go what is it what's wrong he goes I I just can't make any more decisions I just you know and he still needed some socks and uh, a couple of t-shirts oh, I said okay you and dad go and check out I will be there shortly. Y'all can go ahead and check out and go to the car because I could tell that he was, he yeah. was on overload. He had had enough, yeah. you know, so oh, I'm just I was able to sense that and send him on. Such a good point, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You don't think about that. Um, a lot of times when our loved ones get out of jail or prison, um, we're still angry. And so we don't really care about their sensory overload, but mm -hmm. For, for us in this book, like if you think about you have a boon, you know, there's something that you want to do. Um, and when you try to just focus on that, like I would hear sirens in going down my street and our son and daughter-in-law were in the same town. So I used to think this, oh, that's them. They've overdosed. Every time I heard a siren, I thought that. Now, was that ever true? No. Zero, but those thoughts. So they, you know, that that sensory of you know, assessing how many times a day am I thinking about my loved one or his children, or the problems that he has brought or she has brought into the family. You know, how many times am I letting that interrupt my goals right. on my self care? on my time with my husband, um, on my boon, on achieving what God created us to achieve in our lives, right? And so um, it's almost like, okay, come on, I got my dukes up, devil. Quit interrupting me. I'm on a mission. I got stuff to do. But, um, it, you know, we we get hacked if, if we don't take time to really assess um, and look at where is our sensory overload? How are we getting? Um, and so I talk a lot about your um, RAS filter here. I'm not going to go into it much with Lucretia today because I told her it's kind of heavy. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the RAS stands for reticular activating system. It's a bundle of nerves at the base of the brain stem that filters sensory information. And so that's why, you know, we're talking a little bit about sensory overload today, but focus on um, the to-dos at the end of this, at the end of this day, list the fears that make you think your boon won't come true. And I used to think, well, I can't do anything more. I'm raising grandchildren. I can't do anything more. I can't work on my boon because I don't have any time. And um, 
you know, just make a list of all those fears because they're probably not true. <laughs> um, and let's see. So, and then list the five things you commit to looking at differently. So how can we look at that differently? Right. Um, so that one fear, well, I don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. Well, how much time, extra time would I have if I wasn't worried about my son and, and letting that get in the way of what I wanted to do or calling hospitals and trying to find if he was admitted, you know, I mean, all the time that we spend, and I don't know if that's moms, what you're doing, but really look at these. So Lucretia, um, you share some things at the back of this day. Um, if, if you'd like to talk a little bit about that, um, sure. that'd be great. Um, you know, um, when we're focused on the fears, it robs us of joy. Yeah. And, you know, God doesn't want us to do that. And he tells us how many times over 300 times in the Bible, do not fear, do not fear. Yeah. And so if we're in that fear mode all the time, that anxiety mode, we're not trusting him. We're not praying. We're not laying, you know, the problems at his feet. So, um, and that is a, um, you know, if your neurons are always firing, um, you know, those same negative neurons are going to work together. I think you said that on, on page maybe 167. Um, where did you say that? I, I saw that. You'll, you'll always reinforce what you focus on. Uh, yeah, it, it was like um, the neurons that fire together, work together. Work together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you're always in that negative fear mode, that's just going to create another pathway. And it's just like a circle, you know, um, playing that tape over and over and over again. And so something has to change, you know, and that's, that's where I was because I knew that something had to, it was like, it was a, a snowball and it was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I knew that something had to change. Well, that change started happening with me and thinking first. and, you know, uh, some of the things that I was continuing to do, um, Bible studies and, you know, uh, coaching and my business and taking care of everybody. But, you know, if you're, if you're busy, busy every day, so busy, you're not doing anything good. Right. You know, so you got to make some changes there and really focus on what it is that you want to do. And um, looking back at that time, I was very busy, very busy. Um, and it just, uh, I think, added to my stress. Um, and you don't realize that you're in it while you're in it. <laughs> no. And I was angry, you know. I was Seven. always having, I was Seven. always having these little pity parties. Like, I don't want to raise kids again, but yeah. you know what? I love these kids and I don't want them to think that they're not worth it. Right. You know, so it was this push and pull. Like I felt like somebody was pulling both my arms and I was going to split in the middle. Right. And right. knowing where to put that anger, you know, finding resentment too, resentment because, yeah. um, you know, you're having to do this job, which you've already done, you know, you've already raised yours. And I felt like that when my sister died and we adopted her two children. So that gave us seven children yeah. to raise. 
And I, for a while there, I had a lot of resentment because I was still grieving, you know, her death. And, uh, you know, you should be here. You should be raising your kids. And then even I got those waves again as her kids had kids. They should be her grandkids, not mine. But I took on, you know, yeah. they they are mine. You know, we legally adopted them. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot because you don't want that child to feel uh, any resentment. <laughs> no, you, they want to belong. Everybody wants to belong. Yeah. And it's, it's finding productive ways to put those energies so that, you know, and I think the first step is this where you open your eyes and you actually say out loud, I would say to Dave, oh my goodness, I'm so angry. <gasps> I can't be angry. What? That's not productive. What should I do with this anger? So, you know, it's it's recognizing it first, opening our eyes and seeing it. You can't do something if you don't even realize that you're having the problem. So, um, and I think a lot of our moms do have this resentment and this anger and this fear and they're stuck. And I mean, this is the reason why you're doing this and why, you know, I'm on board with you. Because, you know, my boon is to help moms um, to, to get unstuck from that, that their own journey that they're on um, to help them move forward and yeah. to, you know, have that hope and to um, think about themselves and their self-care. It is so, so important. And that's... Uh, that's where I'm at, you know, it's just yeah. trying to help them take their next step. But also I think that we have a lot of moms that their addicted loved ones are in jail or in prison and they don't know what to do. And right. most moms just cut off and say, well, he or she is gone for the next, you know, several years and there's nothing I can do, but no, 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 there is a lot that they can do. So that might be another, another little group there. You know, right. Really well, in, and in this in this day, if you could journal like five things you can look at differently and five things you're going to stop looking for. So I, I just have a, a really interesting thought on those five things I can look at differently. So I have a TEDx talk coming up the end of this month. And um, it's one of the tactics that I used when. I was in throes, you know, when Ryan and his wife were so bad and five things I looked at differently. I thought, I said this today, what's our best case scenario? What if we look at this like they had cancer and he's like rolling his eyes at me. Right. And I said, yeah, but if we, um, put together some, we would find the best evidence-based recovery options for him. Right. So let's put that list together. And he's like, they're never going to listen to us. And I said, maybe not, but at least they'll have resources and we'll feel like that is something that we can do. And then they will feel like we're on their team. Mm -hmm. And what if we quit saying this is anybody's fault? Like everybody wants to point the finger, you know, like, well, your family had the hereditary gene or... <laughs> You know, it's because you weren't a good father or mother or whatever. What if it's nobody's fault? What if we look at this like it's nobody's fault? So there's no shame or blame. So that was two things already. The third thing, what if we um, teach our family, their kids, 
the neuroscience of the disease so that they realize this isn't personal. It's not against them. They haven't been abandoned or rejected. Their parents are sick, right? So anyway, find those things, moms, that um, you can look at differently that will keep you from being angry or being uh, taking it personally that your son or daughter's use is something um, personally against you. How can you look at that? How can you turn it around? Um, and then Lucretia says, uh, here are five things I'm gonna stop looking for. Do you wanna share those? Okay, five things I'm going to stop looking for. Ways to fix my children's life issues. Things to say, I will only listen when they call. Um, answers, I will use questions to help them figure out their own problems. In chaos, I will add rest and relaxation to my to-do list. Unhealthy food, I will find more yummy. I said keto recipes at the time I was doing keto. Yeah. Yeah. So, just a, a better health, you know, avenue for myself. Yeah. And if it's kind of like, um, if we keep looking for the doom and gloom, we're going to see it because it's, you know, you, you can focus on that all around us, but today moms, I'm going to pray that you can, you can focus on, um, the good things that are happening and start noticing that not only in your life, but your loved one, your addicted loved one's life. Even if they said, Hey, I went two days without using, it might not seem like much, but you can say, hey, two days is, is better than a day. Well done. Like, you know, just keep noticing those positive attempts because um, that's that's where the connection comes in when they know that you're listening without judging. So, um, and keep going with your boon because you need to accomplish what God has put on your heart. So um, we look forward to being with you. To, uh, the next day is day T. 18, amplify your impact. So we'll be talking about um, some, some more ways how you can amplify your impact to achieve your boom. Thank you, Lucretia. Welcome. Bye. Bye.